Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to The Help Desk, a daily tech news podcast for the rest of us. My name is Peter Wells. And I'm Tess Bennett. And after a good night's sleep, Peter, is there anything we missed uh, from Apple's event yesterday? Yeah, we, we missed a lot. There was so much uh, to talk about. But I think the, the big one that a lot of my friends pointed out was MagSafe, which was something that was beloved on Apple laptops. It, it went away when uh, Apple switched to USB-C for its charging port. Uh, but many people still love MagSafe out there. And many people were very angry on Twitter, I noticed, that um, Apple has decided to reuse the name uh, for its new uh, magnets built into the back of the phone, which will allow uh, for faster or more more reliable Qi charging. I don't know if you've used a Qi wireless charger before, but so many times I've popped my phone on a Qi charger and woken up the next morning to see that a notification vibration has moved the phone slightly and the phone is no longer charging and I wake up to a dead battery. So that's always fun. Hopefully that's going to get around this and, and it will also uh, allow for a whole bunch of cool new accessories like car mounts and things like that. That'll be very fun and cool to use. And speaking of cool to use, uh, I've been taking a look at how our banking apps might change in the future. And overall, banking apps have been getting smarter, uh, but mostly what's on your phone is still a record of your transactions and spending. But there are some cool things out there on the horizon that people can, uh, you know, thinking about and working on that, you know, allows you to start to connect different apps together, automate things and, and bank payments into those. So in particular, I've been chatting to the head of product at Up. And I guess if you don't know what Up is, Peter, maybe it's a good time to intro them. Uh, yeah, Up is a uh, an online only bank. Uh, so there's no branches, anything like that. I, I used them for a little while when my current bank didn't support Apple Pay and I really wanted to be able to pay for things with my watch. Uh, and then my current bank got Apple Pay and I kind of forgot about them. Yeah, well, I guess they are one of these cohorts of new smartphone only banks that are popping up around Australia. And they're giving us, I guess, an insight into how banking might look differently or again what the big banks might come along and copy when they get around to it. Apple Pay is a great example there. But one particular example is that they're working on an API that will enable payments and transfers on behalf of users. I think the best way to understand this concept is the examples that come from it. You could connect your fitness tracking app to your bank account and that might recognize when you ride your bike to work instead of taking the tram and that unused tram fare will automatically be transferred into your savings account. Uh, another particularly fun example that I like is, you know, a mashup of investing and spending where, you know, say you go and buy a burger from McDonald's, the app might round up your spending and invest uh, a small amount into a fractional share in, in Maccas. So I don't know, Peter, where would you be heavily invested if, if that was a feature on your app? I wish I'd kind of uh, invested in SodaStream at the start of the lockdown because everyone I know went out and bought one of those. Yeah, I'd be a little bit scared of some of the investments uh, my my bank would decide to make for me. But it's such a great idea. I, I'm just in the middle of doing my taxes now and, oh, my God, I wish I'd had something that was automated. Yeah, and I should add these are still, I guess, 
quite a long way off, but there it's just exciting that there's potential for some, we can start using the word fun for financial services, which is not, not something we're used to. And moving on, uh, Spotify has announced a new way for podcasters to blend real, honest-to-goodness music with podcasts. Up until now, there really has been a separation of church and state between uh, music that you listen to and music that we're allowed to use on podcasts. That's not really changing here with this announcement. What Spotify has said is that um, you can use their their tool Anchor, which is a, a way to make podcasts that I believe Spotify bought last year sometime. It was definitely in the before times, but they, they built this little software. They bought this little software, sorry, that allows anyone to make a podcast. And, and what they're doing here is allowing you to create your own podcast with real music. Again, it, it will only live inside Spotify's walled garden and only be available to people who are Spotify premium subscribers. So if you're on the free tier, you won't be able to listen to my amazing mashup uh, podcast that I make. But I don't know, Tess, if you've been wanting to make a love song dedications podcast or or, or just, you know, talk someone through the, the greatest hits of Frank Zappa now is your chance. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. I initially read the, the news story and the, the word spoken word format sort of threw me and I didn't understand what that would actually mean. I can actually think of a certain Hottest 100 uh, stats man who would find this very useful and get a lot of joy out of narrating or, oh uh, you know, yes. adding context <laughs> to the Hottest 100 countdown as it happens or the day or two after. The other interesting thing this made me think of is Song Exploder. It's a you know, a podcast and the creator not, that goes into how songs are made to minute detail and recently the creator there tweeted that they might have to take down some of their episodes um, just because of the prohibitive costs of licensing music. So it's an it's a interesting, interesting conundrum. This is something I've wanted for ages because yeah, way back when podcasting started, there, was, there were all these websites of like pod safe music and you know what, there's, I mean, there were some good tracks out there, but I really wanted to be able to use New Order in a tech podcast, for instance. Um, that has never been uh, something I've had the chance to do. And and this is a, a, another little step. I actually wrote about this years ago. Um, back in 2013, I kind of wanted Apple to do something similar to this because back then Apple were the only company that had both podcasting and a music service. Uh, obviously that's changed now. And, and Tess, I think that Spotify in some ways with this and as well as their My Daily Drive playlist, they're really kind of out innovating Apple in the podcast space. Yeah. I mean, Spotify is a pure play audio company. Apple's got a few other things on the go. The benefit there is Spotify puts 100% of its attention into this one service and feature. Uh, so I think that's always going to be an advantage for the smaller player when it comes to new ideas and innovation. All right. And now to Dropbox, which is helping us clarify what remote work will look like in the future. So they announced yesterday that they are now a virtual first company. So essentially that means remote work is going to be the primary experience for its workers and leadership team. And the policy is basically a set of rules that clears up a lot of the ambiguity around the hybrid office setup. What they've done is introduced non-linear work days. So that means not exactly nine to five, but uh, you have to be online, I guess, for these core collaboration hours between nine and one. And outside of that, employees can run their own schedule. The other big change is offices will be turned into hubs, which are for meeting up, but not for daily work. So Peter, will you ever be going back into an office? 
<laughs> well, I'm currently redundant, so I don't think so. But <laughs> it's something that I thought was going to happen. Uh, yeah, I think what we've seen really in the in the last couple of months is there are certain tasks that are just so much more efficient to do in person whether they be meetings. Some meetings are quite fine over Zoom. Other meetings really do need a bunch of back and forth and the butcher's paper and all that kind of stuff. They're the kind of things that make sense for an office to still exist. But it's going to be really hard to convince a lot of people who have been working from their bedrooms for the last three months that suddenly they have to go back into an office. Yeah, I would love to go back into an office, I guess, at some point. For me, I think it really disadvantages people who are at the beginning of their careers, because if you think about it, what would initially be, you'd look over the desk and ask a question, clear something up straight away. You might not do that, or it might come out weird on Slack. Uh, (laughs) You might spend a few hours doing completely the wrong thing. So I think there's a lot of that guidance that's that's missing when you're um working remotely and that feedback uh yeah so I think it has a disproportionate impact on people who are just beginning their careers how do they find mentors how do they find more friends how do they sort of work their way up yeah that's something I would love to see how this plays out for Dropbox I'm glad companies are embracing this so we can get a decent set of data to look back on I don't think we've properly embraced remote work at the moment I don't think if you're you've got kids at home your schools are shut and you're doing childcare, that doesn't count Mm -hmm. really as a pure form of remote working it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for Dropbox and how humans actually behave yeah there's a lot of trust in there both on the employee and the employer side I think that has to be worked out so yeah good on smaller companies like Dropbox for for showing us the way Now, Microsoft is not one of the companies that is often touted about when we talk about AI, but, you know, your your Alexas and your Google assistants are are often the ones that people think of because they're the the consumer products that people know and see on a daily basis. But Microsoft has been really kicking goals with their AI implementation. It just all happens on the server side. So you don't really see it. And then it gets rolled into the services that they, they show. And they've just announced that, that their image captions, uh, image captioning service is actually outperforming humans doing the same task. And I think this is really fascinating. First of all, if you look at some of the great new AI that is built into Office 365, they're clearly doing some cool stuff. They, they know what they're doing. And what makes this so uh, such a great announcement for me is just the accessibility that it opens up. I think that, of course, the the big idea would be search, improving search. If anyone's used Google Photos, for instance, and, and you search via Bondi Beach and suddenly all of the photos of Bondi Beach pop up, that's one thing. Another really cool feature would be the accessibility. So Tess, when was the last time that you posted something to Twitter or to Facebook and and used their accessibility feature to uh, caption exactly what the photo you were posting looked like and what it, what was in that photo because I know I've never done it I didn't know it existed mm-hmm. so hats off to Microsoft I do actually uh, associate Microsoft with building accessibility features uh, just because I've sat through quite a few conferences where they have demoed products similar to this that you know helps visually impaired people experience the world around them I guess would be a way to describe it accessibility is still an area of technology and technology design that often or far too often gets overlooked so it's it's great to see companies building these features in and hopefully that flows down the chain to Microsoft's customers who embrace this as well yeah absolutely anything that kind of lowers that friction of making the world more accessible is is always a good thing 
Well, that's all we have time for for the help desk today. Thank you, Tess Bennett. Thanks for having me. And thank you to Lauren Watson for designing the beautiful artwork that you're looking at right now. Thank you to James Smith for all of his help with uh, editing audio. And thank you to the good people who created the uh, TV show Ted Lasso. It's been my favourite thing of 2020. (laughs) There hasn't been a lot going on in 2020 that has made me smile, but Ted Lasso is one of those things. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Have a great one. Bye. Bye.